Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No When we think about the snowball effect of what happens by not having a plan for the inevitable, that's the reality. Like, none of us are getting out of here alive. So, by not having a plan, we've literally said that everything that we've worked for. That our family and the people that we love or the people that we care about, we don't care what happens to them. It doesn't matter. It's up to them to decide, right? That's what keeps us here. Yeah. You know, wow. we can achieve the racial wealth gap without a plan. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hey guys, so we're back again. This is the second part of the episode with today's guest. I need you, if you have not heard part one, go back to the previous episode and listen to that first and then come back and join us here today. But you're not going to want to miss what they already said because then you'll be lost with what they're about to say. But in any case, you don't want to miss the whole, you need to hear the whole conversation. This is why we split into two parts. There's so many nuggets. It's so juicy. Go back and listen to the first part. It's about intergenerational wealth protection, right? Like my goal is to make sure that everybody who comes down the line from me is taken care of, right? At least not have to worry about going to get a higher education with not out having to worry about whether or not they can get a medical treatment without having to worry about whether or not they, they can get seed money to start a business or any of these other things. So they can remove themselves from this toxic and abusive banking society that we live in right now that is you know, harmful against people of color, as we have seen most recently with Wells Fargo and the refinance rates in uh, 2020. Yeah. But, you know, so that we can, they can create their own banking economy within our own family. And if I want to make sure that that continues, because it's got to make it past his generation to be able to continue, he can't screw it up. Yeah. So if you don't do the steps that I've outlined to make sure that you at least have a baseline knowledge for how to handle this, then you just don't get to. Yeah. And that's my choice, right? When our kids are minors, it is incredibly important to make sure that we are far more conservative in our planning because we have no idea who they will be as people. We have no idea what they'll be exposed to. We have no idea how well they will process this information, who might be in their ear and guiding them down a wrong path. We just don't know any of those things, right? Because they're babies. And so we get far more restrictive with their planning in the beginning. Because if I die tomorrow, this plan is what's left. 
right? Yeah. This is the only thing that's left. Yeah. I'm not here. Yes, you can't take it with you, right? Like that's true, but I can use it to guide him. I can use it to say, here are the things that I value. So if he graduates top of his class from high school, he gets a certain amount of money unrestricted to do whatever he wants with. And I've got a provision in there that says, hey, or you know, a line in there that says, I, I think you should travel because it's an important part of a young person's education and like worldview, right? Like, yeah. Like, you can do whatever you want. If he gets a full ride to college, right? My estate just got a boom, assuming he goes to a four-year university. So every semester, as long as he's keeping that scholarship, he'll get a certain sum of money to do whatever he wants with. My recommendation is to go, you know, put a down payment on a piece of property and rent it out to his college friends. But that's on him, right? Because there's other stuff in the estate that's still going to be there. This is your money to do whatever you want with. That's me showing my values. That's me saying to you, I'm proud of you. That's me saying, I've not only thought about you, but that I love you and I am encouraging you. And the only way I can do that is with my estate because I'm gone. If I'm there for high school and college, right? Which I hope, but assuming I'm there for that, then I get an idea of who he is as a person. How serious are you? Is this something that you have an aptitude for? Is this something you're even interested in? And then I can amend my plan accordingly. Maybe he's incredibly talented in financial understanding, right? And maybe he's great at real estate and like he understands how all of this stuff works. And at a young age, I'm like, oh, at 20, you could totally handle this. I can amend my estate plan and okay. bring it down and make it less restrictive, right? Because yeah. I'm like, I know you get it. Or I could be like, you are a hot mess and I will never. <laughs> and I will just remove him entirely from being able to be a trustee, right? And I'll set like a professional trustee to come in and manage it. So it's amendable while mm -hmm. you are alive and have capacity. And so mm -hmm. as your life changes, you'll change that. What many people, at least of our generation, need to realize, and particularly our parents, right, is that we have more complicated family structures than are accounted for under the law. Mm. And we've had the issues of, you know, the unequal distribution of the GI Bill. We've seen redlining. We've seen all of these things that have been impediments to our wealth that have resulted in about 43% of African-American families owning their own homes, which is incredibly low compared to our contemporaries. And it's becoming increasingly more difficult to do so. So we need to look at, you know, our parents and our grandparents who own these homes and make sure that they have trusts in place to protect it. We also need to keep in mind that the 90s and the war on drugs was really a war on black and brown communities, particularly impoverished communities, right? Where we saw this over-policing happening and people who have been touched by the war on drugs typically have either restitution issues or they're still incarcerated or they have substance abuse issues. And those types of things, if someone's got a judgment against them, the state can come in and attach to grandma's house and force a sale. And now you've lost your asset that could have built generational wealth. If somebody has back child support from having been incarcerated, right, as a result of some of these, dare I say it, racist policies, then <laughs> you're going to see that those assets can be attached against if left outright. But you can leave them an asset protection trust that wouldn't allow for that. And so there are methods and, me and mechanisms that we need to be getting out into the community. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you're familiar. The road to 2053. Have you heard heard about that? Is that the year that we're supposed to have like zero net worth? 
Yes. So the median okay. net worth for Black families is, was set to hit zero by 2053. That was a study that came out in 2017. Now, 2020 happened. And the implication of that is that one in 555 African Americans died as a result of COVID-19, which has severely accelerated this timeline in just 2020 alone. It severely accelerated this timeline to the road to zero wealth. And so what was, you know, 14 years from now, or 20, excuse me, 20 something years from now is probably about 10 years of we have to get people covered. 70% of African Americans do not have any estate planning at all. Any, not a power of attorney, not a will, not a near nothing. And so we end up in probate court, which is costing families in the United States $2 billion annually. $2 billion in an avoidable process, right? Wow. And so we have to do something. And I know we talked a little bit about minor kids, but just between April of 2020 and June of 2021, more than 146,000 children were orphaned as a result of COVID-19. In fact, one in four of the deaths from COVID-19 resulted in an orphaned person. And 65% of those orphaned children are in minority communities. So if we don't have estate plans and we don't have guardianship elections for our kids, we are literally putting the state and the court in charge of our family, our finances, our minor kids. And then they get to decide who raises our kids. They get to decide who manages their money. And if you're thinking about the members of your family and who may or may not be good for that, I'd be worried, right? They get to decide what happens with our stuff because we haven't said. And so the numbers don't lie. In 2017, there was another study that was done that found that only 13% of college-educated African-Americans are getting $10,000 or more to the next generation. So if we say that 87% of college-educated African-Americans are not even getting $10,000 to the next generation, and that is not because we don't have stuff, and it is not because we are not building assets in the States, it is not because of that. It's because we are losing at the generational wealth transfer game. We are losing every time somebody gets sick and every time somebody passes away by not having plans in place. And we just cannot afford to do so anymore. So, Nicole, I would say I'm so glad that you invited me to come on. I know I'm long-winded, but thank you. Oh, my gosh. You're not long-winded. You're captivating. Like, I'm just hanging on to every word. Everything that you're speaking has so much depth and truth to it. And there's so many other layers underneath, like, every sentence. And what I really want people to get away from is they need to have a plan. You said planning so many times during this conversation because that is so critical. You don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. And even when you're starting, this is not you decide to have an estate plan and you have one tomorrow. It takes a process. So you need to start it so that at least it's in the works and you can get it done quicker rather than later. And I think a lot of people too think, oh, well, I'm just going to hurry up and write a will. I'm going to write something on a piece of paper. But they don't realize wills don't prevent you from probate and from somebody else deciding what's going to happen with your assets, even if you have it written down. Isn't that like that? Judges can still, even if you have a will, they can decide what to do and to overthrow your will, right? Wills still need to be certified, right? So if you have a will, it still needs to go to court. A judge still needs to determine that it's an actually validly created will. And then, you know, they reach out to beneficiaries. People can obviously challenge the will if there's some evidence that's not it. Or like in Aretha Franklin's case, where they keep finding wills in the couches. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I mean... 
like, okay, you know, there's all of these different issues that can come in. And now you're still asking a judge. Yes, you've said where you want your stuff to go, but you're asking a judge to do it for you. And the reason why trusts are so powerful, at least one of the reasons, is you've already outlined who has legal authority to transfer your assets. And so you don't need to ask a judge to transfer your house to your beneficiaries because you've already transferred it to your trust. And once you're gone, your trust still exists. And the successors you pick now have legal authority to transact on that property. You don't need a judge's permission. Yes, you still have to wind up the estate, right? You still got to make sure the final tax returns are paid and do all of these things and do the transfers. But now it's whoever you've picked is doing those transfers, not a judge deciding what happens. And, you know, some people are like, well, it's just not that complicated, Portia. I mean, a judge can do it. Sure. But in a place like California, there are probate fees, or at least the attorney's fees and the personal representative fees are set by statute. And so based on the gross value of your estate, gross meaning everything you own, regardless of how much debt there is, right? So if you own a million dollar house, which is unfortunately pretty common for Southern California, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of like the bare minimum, then, you know, even if you owe $900,000 on that house, your personal representative fees and your attorney's fees are more than $46,000 just by statute. Now, if you're dealing with real estate, you know, attorneys can get extraordinary fees for, you know, dealing with the real estate. If people start fighting, we get extraordinary fees on our hourly rate on top of that. And you haven't even paid court fees. You haven't paid any of the other fees. That's just by statute based on the number, right? So even if you're like, it's not that complicated to ask a judge, it's expensive. And the results of COVID-19, right, when 2020, the courts in many jurisdictions were shut down for more than six months, you have a backlog of cases. You can't even get a a court date in a reasonable amount of time. And so your family's just waiting, twiddling their thumbs. They can't rent it. They can't refinance it. They can't do anything with that property because they don't have legal authority to. And so they have to wait for a judge. What happens in that time period? Who pays the taxes? Who pays the mortgage if there is one? Who's able to stop a foreclosure proceeding if there is one? Nobody has legal authority. And so when we think about the snowball effect of what happens by not having a plan for the inevitable, that's the reality. Like none of us are getting out of here alive. So by not having a plan, we've literally said that everything that we've worked for, that our family and the people that we love or the people that we care about, we don't care what happens to them. It doesn't matter. It's up to them to decide, right? That's what keeps us here. Yeah. You know, wow. we can use the racial wealth gap without a plan. Definitely can't. And there's so much. Okay. So what does someone do if they feel just overwhelmed with all the decisions and all the different pieces that they should potentially be thinking about, especially in the future? And like, how often should you review your plan? I know you say you don't know what your kids are going to be like when they get older, but then when they're 20, like, do you review your plan annually? Or like, is there a certain, you know what I mean? Or maybe even quarterly, that may be too much, you know? So I know you can change it as much as you want. And the same, there's, there's just so many different pieces and just figuring out how you want the life insurance to work for each kid or and figuring out, you know, like you said, 75% of the fair rental value, which I have never heard anybody even say that before. And I'm in real estate. So, yeah. so that's, it's just like, there's so many different pieces 
And sometimes even if you're not going to copy exactly what somebody else is doing, having an example of something that other people have thought about and have in place gives you a good springboard to say, oh, I do like that idea, but I don't like that. And you can like pick and choose, like what's a good resource for people to go to, to kind of get this kind of information and see how other people like can potentially, or what the options are as far as, you know, distributing this wealth and the plan. Yeah. Yeah. How to put it. So we have a free resource library on our website that anybody can tap into anywhere in the country to start getting some of those ideas about what exists and what's possible. And it's just woodlegalgroup.com. And then you can go to the drop down menu and it's access resource library. And it's 100% free. There's a ton of information there. And that's a really good place to start the conversation, right? We also do webinars every month. So if you go to our website, there is a webinar that's happening every single month. One is just wills, trusts, and generational wealth planning. And that is sort of more of the overarching view. What is the process? What are the pieces? What are some of the considerations? What can you do, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second one is specifically tailored to parents of minor children because the estate planning considerations are very different when you have minors. Because not only do you have to think about what happens until 18, but then you have to think about what happens after 18. And it's more than just I'm going to give them my stuff, right? Because there's a whole psychological element that comes into play when children are orphaned because, you know, they have to go through the grieving process and they have to do that while going to homes. And how do you pick their guardians? You know, people often pick their parents, but does that mean that our kids are going to make two house transfers because our parents die because they're old, right? All of these different pieces that come into play are very specific to parents of minor kids. And so we have that second webinar and we do both every single month in our office and their webinars so anybody can access from anywhere in the country. Federally, the information is the same. Some states do have nuance, but it is a great springboard for people to really get started. I also do strategy sessions. So people can book a strategy session for 30 minutes or they can book it for an hour and we will sit down and map out what a solid estate plan could look like for that person and their family, right? Depending on what their goals are. And if they're not in a jurisdiction that I service, which right now is California, Maryland, DC, and Virginia, and then I have referral partners really all over the country. But if you're not in a jurisdiction that I service, I can connect you with an attorney and you can walk in armed with say, hey, here is the plan that I you know, want to put into place, which can be incredibly impactful as well. And we just started doing this family dinners where people can actually hire us to come in and talk to a multi-generational family. And so everybody at least has the same baseline of knowledge and starting those conversations around family as a business, because it is. I mean, it's love, right? Like we love our families, yeah. but they are a business. The elders are the CEOs. And as they get into quote unquote retirement, they're passing the reins to us to keep this family corporation going. And if we don't have a plan for how we communicate together or how three siblings share one house and leverage it for resources, then we lose them. And so starting those family conversations is important to include all of the generations and answer their questions. And we just launched that, that people can book as well. So we get a lot of resources and it just starts with information, right? Perfect. I'm going to be digging into your website. Crazy (laughs) because there's so much website revamp coming soon, right around Juneteenth. We should, hopefully we'll be launching everything live. So you heard it here first that we're doing these family uh, family dinners. And we also do a free estate planning giveaway for Juneteenth. So we always have sort of a raffle that people can tap into in our jurisdictions. And we give away a few estate plans for Juneteenth to really help protect people in our community. Yeah. 
I also saw on your website something, it was like for women of color, by women of color, the roadmap to legacy planning or generational wealth planning. So tell them a little bit about that. Yeah. So my girl, Michelle Morton and I came together and we said, Hey, we really want to create an event that not far from, you know, JPL. So that's right. But you know, it's the future of generational wealth. It's by women of color for women of color. My friend, Michelle Morton and I were having these conversations around generational wealth protection. Her brand is luxury and legacy and, you know, mine, black trust fund kids. And we said, how do we put together a panel from all of these different areas holistically to bring women in to talk about our finances? <laughs> because particularly black women, we are much more likely to be impoverished in our retirement than any other group. And so how do we harness the information that we've all been learning in our silos and bring it together for a holistic approach? And so the first one we did was virtual. It was fantastic, right? And it was all women of color coming in from their different areas. We had CPAs coming in to talk about taxes and tax-based planning, right? Because you don't have to make more money to have more money. You just have to save and keep more money, right? It's all about how much you keep. We had people talking about real estate. We had people talking about mortgages and interest rates. We had people who are, you know, wealth and business coaches for the stars and a lot of the celebrities that you know and see who came in and talked about some of those strategies that are put into place to protect wealth. And so from all of these different perspectives, we brought in someone who was top of their game to really come and talk about it. And you can actually get those replays online. I believe it's just the future of generational wealth.com and you can, you know, buy the replays there, but it was a really incredible event and we are getting ready to do it again. We are hoping to do it live this time and we are looking at Puerto Rico. So I will keep you posted when that goes live. Oh, I hope I can make that. That would be great. Oh my goodness. And then when, you know, it's funny when I saw that part of the site, I was like, oh my goodness, this is more confirmation that I had to have you on because like the premise and my idea of this is really like, there's three pillars of wealth building. And one is how do you create and build that initial capital, which is whatever active income, whatever you're going to do actively, whether it's in your W2, whether it's a side business, you know, whatever to build that capital base. And then how do you invest it so that you can grow it? And then how do you protect it so that you can pass it on? So I had all those three pillars and then I saw that road to generation. I said, oh, this is the same thing that I'm talking about. Like this (laughs) is perfect. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So we, oh my gosh, we've talked about so much stuff. We got to wrap it up. Unfortunately, oh, I'm going to figure out how to get you back or do something. We, I'm going to be here. All your links that you mentioned, I'm going to have in the show notes, even to the clubhouse room, because I would like to join into there and hear those conversations as well. Everyone else that's listening, I encourage you, if you're not on clubhouse, get on there or at least access all the resources that Portia has on her website. You would be a fool to not do that. And I'm, yes, I'm not going to be politically correct right now (laughs) um, because it's just too important. (laughs) Wait, wait, don't go yet. Have you been looking for a way to get started in real estate investing, but you just don't know how? You need the launch pad. It's brought to you by my company, Norvest Holdings. And the Launchpad is a free guide with a ton of resources I've compiled to help you invest into your first real estate syndication. It includes terminology, book resources, video explanations, all the information that you need. Don't know what a syndication is? I got you covered. How to find a good operator. How to even tell if a deal is good or not without having to know how to underwrite it all. It's all in there. 
The Launchpad is designed to help launch you into the next stage of your investing career and get you invested into your first multifamily syndication as a passive investor, meaning you can be a landlord and own a piece of a large apartment building, but still go about your day-to-day life without having to stop and learn every single detail about what's under the hood and how it all works. The link to the guide is in the show notes. Make sure you sign up today. Again, this is a free resource and guide. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to me. Now let's finish up the show. Okay, so I'm going to ask the last couple of questions that I ask every guest. The first one is Warren Buffett said that diversification is a protection against ignorance. I mean, I take that to mean that people diversify because, you know, they don't really know what they're doing. So that's their safety net. But what is your take on that? Is diversification a good idea or specialization better? So in your investments, diversification is really key. Markets go up and down, as we have seen, right? We see the S&P 500 going up and down. We see the crypto market going up and down in a very volatile way. We've seen real estate go up exponentially. So if you are not in the real estate game, but you are only in the stock market game, you are losing right now, right? Because real estate's up, what, 24% over the last year, even more recently. And there's low inventory, which is driving up prices which is great for people who want to refinance and take advantage of low interest rates or what was a low interest rate environment. If you weren't in that market, then you've missed out on a substantial wealth building opportunity. And if you only had a, you know, let's say a portfolio loan on your stock portfolio, then you're hurting right now. And if you're in retirement years and all you had was that stock portfolio and you've got to take out in a down market, you're hurting right now. Where So having multiple buckets where you are invested is incredibly important. So, you know, there's the life insurance bucket. There may even be annuities, depending on whether or not that's right for your financial situation. Everybody should talk to a financial manager or a wealth manager just to get an assessment, right? It's typically free to sit down and get an assessment with them. But you know, you may want to be in stocks, you may want to be in bonds, you may want to be in equities, you you know, you may want to be a little bit in real estate, you may want to be in life insurance and X, Y, and Z, because you need to have different financial buckets. And if you haven't gotten started yet, right, if you're just getting started and you're in your 50s or 60s, you cannot invest your way into retirement. You cannot get the growth on your funds. And so you're going to have to look at what investments can I make to generate the amount of money that I need in retirement. And that may be real estate, that may be other things, right? So when Warren Buffett, at least to me, says you know, diversification is sort of the protection against ignorance, I think that's very true. If you only put all of your eggs in one basket, then you are subject to whatever happens in that basket. And if it gets lit on fire or it breaks or you know something spills on it, then you've lost your entire economic stability. And that's, nobody can live that way, right? It's like the same thing if, if your whole income base is based on your W-2 and your one job, if you lose that job, like many people saw in 2020, how do you pay your bills? You've got to diversify to make sure that you are not beholden to really anyone. And that gives you your leverage and your time back. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's such a great point. Okay, next question. You pay Monopoly before, I'm assuming. I have. Okay, so in Monopoly, <laughs> your strategy, are you going for Boardwalk or Baltic and why? Baltic, Baltic all day. Oh, okay, why? 100%. It's affordable. It's landed on more often than Boardwalk right? So you consistently are going to get revenue. And I don't need the luxury penthouse. 
I need solid, consistent, stable income that doesn't cost me a ton of money to get into because that means I now have money to buy the next one and the next one or to develop hotels or to do this. But if you buy a super expensive property and you don't have any money to develop it, you're missing out on all the income in Baltic and the investments you put on Baltic pay for boardwalk. Mm, I like it. Assets should pay for your other assets and your liabilities should not come out of your regular pocket. So I'm buying Baltic all day long. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then some and the railroad. I'm buying the railroads all day long. <laughs> you buy the railroads. Okay. Nice. I love it. Okay. I think that's a wrap. Oh my goodness. This was insane. <laughs> I'm so grateful. I definitely am gonna stay in touch with you even more. I'm gonna be in your clubhouse room. I'm gonna devour everything that's on your website. Everybody listening should devour everything on her website too. And we will have all those links, like I said, in the show notes. But again, Portia, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking out your time and your backyard is fantastic. I aspire to that backyard. Thank you. It's a definite work in progress, but I'm excited that spring is starting to spring. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you, Nicole, so much for having me and for reaching out and for creating this platform because you know, as we've talked about the numbers, it is so important that we can get this information out and it is you, right? It's people like you creating these spaces for really thoughtful and intelligent conversation that's really going to change the tide because people don't know what they don't know and providing that. So thank you so much for including me. Thank you. Okay. All right, everyone, this wraps up this episode. I know you're going to have to rewind it and take a listen again. I know I'm going to go and listen to it again and take even more notes and really dig in. And I'll probably start annoying Portia. She's going to be like blocking me. So in any case, peace out and have a good day. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.